Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. Beautiful, sunny Manitoba again. I know the heat is there, but it had a little bit of a coolness to this morning. Not as humid, which is kind of a little bit of a break, but it does remind us it is July and it's beautiful. And the gardens, oh, they are so beautiful with the colors that are showing. And we are almost through July as it's July 24th. So in honor of July, here's the poem called July. Now tis the time when tall the long blue torches of the bellflower gleam among the trees and by the wooded stream. In many a fragrant ball blooms the button bush fall. Let's go forth and seek woods where wild plums redden and the beech plump its packed burrs and swelling just in reach. The papa emerald and sleek ripens along the creek now it's time when ways of glimmering green flaunt white the misty plumes of the black coish and through bramble glooms a blur of orange rays the butterfly blossoms blaze let's go forth and hear the spiral music that the locusts beat and that small spray of sound so grassy sweet dear to a country ear the cricket's summer cheer. Now golden celadine, its hairy hung with silvery sacks of seeds, the bugled over the freckled gold lie beads. Beneath the fox grapevine, the jeweled weeds' blossoms shine. Let's go forth and see the dragon and the butterfly like gems, spangling the sunbeams and the clover stems, weighed down by many a bee, nodding maliciously. Now mourns of the song of full, the catbird and the redbird and the jay. Upon the hilltops rouse the rosy day. Who, dewy, blithe, and strong, lures their wild wings along? Now noons are full of dreams, the clouds of heaven and wandering breeze. Follow a vision, and the flowers and the trees, the hills and fields and streams, are lapped in mystical gleams. The nights are full of love. The stars and moon take up the golden tale of the sunk sun and the passionate and the pale, mixing their fires above, grow eloquent thereof. Such days are a sigh that beauty heaves from the full heart of bliss. Such nights are like the sweetness of a kiss on the lips that half deny. We are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal this morning, and I must admit that last night, sitting on the deck, I had a little bit of time to hold and snuggle my newest little grandchild. And it was beautiful because the snuggle was quiet. You could hear all the birds that were in the trees. You could actually see the colors of the garden. And they were whispering and saying, I'm in my glorious shine. It was kind of gave me the sort of the rewarding feeling of, yes, look what was around us and look what's the beauty that we've done. It gives us a reward of what our labors were which is kind of nice. It gives you that sort of that, yes, I did it. And actually, looking around too as well, 
I also see the things that maybe were a little bit of a challenges. I know that I had a, um, uh, a little bunny that I had a sacrificial hosta that's given to. It was ble- beautiful, three feet wide. And as I know over the few weeks that I've been at work, a little bit of nibble turned into a full-out banquet that was in there. So there is a little bit of work to do to to deter some of the things. But as we assess our gardens right about now, we look at things that maybe need to be done. And I know, July, you're saying, why are we assessing our gardens? But we're gardeners. We're always looking at ways that we can change things, look at things, help things, adjust things, and sometimes just sitting back and looking at things. But before we go into a different conversation, we've got Maria on the line. Hi, Maria. Hi. Hi, good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Blumenort, Manitoba. Well, good morning. Good morning to you. How can we help you? I would just like to let you know that I finally conquered my red lily beetles. Wow. How did you do that? Last year, I cut my plants right down, and I put a big layer of ashes on there. Wood ashes. Wood ashes. I did not know if they would come back, but they all came back with no beetles. Wow. And do you have extensive lily beds? Yes. Well, I have one in the back of my house that's pretty big. And then I have one in my front flower bed. And I had missed the ashes under one tree. There was a few scraggly ones. Yeah. So there was beetles on there. I picked them off, and now they're all gone. I have no leaves and no holes in my leaves. Wow. You know what? There's a little bit of a, there's a testament right there for certain things that do uh, work on areas, you know. Uh, so I'd say bravo if you can do that and get that. That's I was bound and determined to kill those little guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes we are. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, I, I wish I had sort of had the same thought of my little bunny, but my granddaughter w- would not like me if I did that. <laughs> but uh, the beating that lily beetle because the lilies in the garden are beautiful and the intensity. And I know that uh, there's some garden sites that you can join on some of the social media aspects, but they're beautiful that are out there. So thank you for sharing your story with I us. I used neem oil on them last year. Yeah. But that just brought them up. Well, you know what? It depends on the cycle. And what we're seeing now is, I think, in different times, because I have heard that the lily beetle isn't as dominant this year because it's not a repeated story that we're hearing this year on the gardening. But we get cycles of insects. So if it's not as great, that's good. And sometimes um, some uh, process of eliminating insects will happen and work for one person but may not be for another but well i hope it works next year again well i hope so too let's cross our fingers okay okay thank you oh thank you maria for calling okay bye-bye okay enjoy the day you too okay thank you it's you know it is that because gardening and i think i've mentioned before gardening is not black or white in script okay because there's so many different scenarios of gardening aspect. And that's what makes this format beautiful. Because we hear different stories and we tell the gardening aspect of how to treat things, how to care for things. And some things work for me, work for you. Some things grow for me, but don't grow for you. And vice versa. I, you know, I've tried growing lupins in my backyard. I cannot grow a lupin, but yet I see beautiful yards with lupins. And I'm like... 
I'm going to knock on their door and tell, ask what they're doing to get those lupins growing. So it's a nice scenario. And that's why it brings back the thoughts of, you know, getting a cup of coffee in the morning and driving to town and sitting in the coffee shop and, and talking to the farmers and talking to your friends about what's working in their gardens because there is that scenario that does work for you. So it is that story that's in it. And we have to think of the different conditions in the different environments too as well. Because as we're speaking uh, to Maria that's in there, uh, where you are, we may find that you have not got the moisture or there is the moisture because there's some areas that still need a lot of rain. I know Winnipeg, we got a little bit of rain, not near enough. And as I giggle and laugh, um, you know, one of my husband's golf balls in one area of my yard would probably roll along the grass and fall in the cracks as how dry it is in that area because I'm preserving the amount of moisture that I use and I'm dedicating it to my flowers and not necessarily the lawn and I think maybe yeah I could probably put a, a little bit of a bedding aspect on there that I know that the reason why my rabbit is going towards my hosta is because my grass is pretty brittle. And one of the aspects that we're seeing this uh, summer is definitely the aspect of the heat. Yes, um, if you see and feel that heat, even in the evenings late last night, I think it was still 25, 26 degrees. And the humidity adds to that, compounding that. And we think of our plants and how they're reacting. And this is the year that if you did some plantings and especially your annuals and some of your perennials, newly planted trees and shrubs as well, you may find that you were watering things a little bit more. And there are some, maybe some tricks and trades of things that you can do to help subsidize some of the watering aspects by maybe using some of that extra water, you know, from the dog bowl that's maybe not all used up that you're cleaning up. Maybe put an extra bucket in the shower as you're taking a shower to gather some of the water that's maybe not hitting you. But hey, put a couple buckets in there. If it fills up a little bit, that extra water, instead of going down the drain, use it for your plants. Let's go right back to the lines. Donna is next. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? Uh, Eric Steel, Manitoba. Oh, in the nice. Yes, nice area, uh, nice area, area up there. That's close to Russell, Manitoba, isn't it? No, you're thinking nope. of Erickson. Oh, I'm care. Oh, yes. I'm care. Th- yes, okay. There yes. you go, Ericsdale. <laughs> yes, up number six. Up number. Oh, I know where you are now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How can we help you on the lawn and garden journal? Um, I've been meaning to call in for many, many weeks, but um, I seem to have trouble, and this is not only this year, many years. My yellow onions, um, where the root is, go all mushy at the bottom. Mm. Okay. Have you ever lifted up your onions to see if there's any maggots or any critters? Or, Well, when I lift them up, I don't see anything. But um, like I usually, out of a package of onions that I plant, I usually lose probably half, half of them. Like they, they start growing and everything. And like even now, mind you, nothing's been growing very well. They're not very big because of the drought. Yeah. Um, but the bottom of them is all this mushy stuff. Okay. Now, when you lift it up, are you finding roots, or are you just finding that the bulb comes up and it's kind of balded with no uh, no? No, there uh, are there there has been some roots started. Yes. Okay, but probably not as thick as what it should be when it's in there. So, I'm suspecting that it might be. 
Um, it's a little bit of a, it either could be bacterial that you're having on through there, or it could be the onion maggot that okay. is, it's basically a small, minute little fly okay. that gets in there. And it's, it's you know, 0. 0.6 of a centimeter, that's, <laughs> okay. I think, like, or like, it's just tiny yeah. that's in there. And okay. it will usually funnel and tunnel and go through the rooting system, which causes that uh, the the abort portion of the bulb actually creating a set. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there a solution? <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, when you plant it, when you're putting your bulbs in the ground, try putting a little bit of diatomaceous earth in the soil. Which I did. To, which I did, did this year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, try putting a little more that's in there, and then if you want to, also put some on top of the soil too, as well, because when you water, it will water in. Okay. So okay. that may take a little bit of measures to encourage it. Now, sure. the other thing too is um, crop rotation is yeah. known for the best thing as well. So crop rotation is very important too, is it, especially if you're finding that you're having recurrent uh, problems with it within yeah. that. Okay. No, I I do that. I I move my vegetables to different parts of the garden every year, but I it just seems to be something that keeps recurring eh? and it's uh, following you <laughs> it is <laughs> okay so i would probably uh, try the diatomaceous earth up maybe the quantity of what you're putting that's in there and then do a secondary application on way through it okay. and if it's bacterial um maybe put a little bit of garden sulfur in there as well just to oh, you know okay. it might not by without seeing what's there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Take that sacrificial onion bulb that isn't set and cut into it as well. Take your little zactyl blades or a, a pruning knife and cut into it and see if you see anything inside there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually like right now when I'm picking them, they're, they're small. They're maybe a little bit bigger than the size of an egg. Yeah. But usually if I cut off the bottom part, um, I can still use the top part of the onion, eh? Well, then that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, it is, yes. But it's just frustrating, you know, when you... They go through the season when it's a good year, and they get nice and big, and then you've got this. Well, it almost gets very, the, the flesh of the onion gets very hard, too, um, and coarse. Okay, I'm going to, you know what, I'll do a little investigating to see if there's something else that I'm missing that's in here. Right now, my mind is just uh, yeah, on those two different yeah. aspects. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see what we can find out for you. Sure, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank, thank you. you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, it is disheartening, because even at that aspect that we're in there, um, even as I'm thinking of it, um, regular watering patterns, as much as it is, if it's not an insect, regular uh, watering habits actually is a beneficial practice to get into, too, for when we're doing um, the moisture that plants require, especially in drought-resistant areas too, because we know that, I know Mary, you're next, but just hang on two seconds. We know that's the case also with blossom end rot on tomatoes because the factor of including calcium products that help to fight off that blossom end rot is uh, one way of amending that. But I also find, and I'm a, probably a strong endorser, that maintaining uh, moisture content in the soil for your tomatoes is also a huge factor because I know it's so disheartening. You think you have this beautiful big tomato, you go to pick it and then you flip it over and you're going, oh my, yes. Okay, so let's try and set it up that way. And I know sometimes watering habits are hard, 
Maybe this year it's, it's a little bit more allowable when we have the moisture and the rain that continually comes down. That makes it a little bit more hard to do as well. All right, so let's go right back to lines. Mary is patiently waiting. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from Morden. From Morden. Well, how is it in Morden today? Well, it's not too bad just yet, but it's going to be hot again, but it's very, very dry. Yeah. Have you guys had any moisture at all? We might have had about... Hello? Oh, I think we may have lost Mary there. Uh, Maybe she'll call us back that's on there. But um, the moisture content that's out there, I know is hard that's going through because I've had uh, people come in and we've, it's been one of those topics that are on there is I'm doing so much to water my garden or how could I subsidize my gardening that's in there. And it's hard to see because even some of the sunflower crops that are around some of the cities, they should be up big and tall and they're so small. So we're looking at it. I know I, uh, I do a little bit of a a little bit of a, a prayer and a wish for some rain and some moisture. And at night, it's nice when we can sort of say it would be nice to be able to get that in the evening or in the early morning so that the soils and everything are able to absorb it faster. So that's probably part of our practices too, is if you can, A, um, try and avoid watering midday. Try and avoid the sprinkler midday when the, when the evaporation is high. Because think of the droplets that are in the air and that humid in that heat some of it doesn't really even get into the ground that's on it so using soaker hoses is beautiful especially if you have areas of uh, perennial beds or even a rambling of your shrubs in a bed where we know that things are a little bit stressed try and get the soaker hoses in the ground where we can create that where the water is slowly wicking underneath now if you use that it's perfect watering early in the morning, watering directly instead of broadcasting if you have you using large sprinklers. If you've got the time, try and do direct watering to the plant root itself rather than doing a broad uh, water spray across the entire aspect of it. Reserve maybe, I know it's nice to have some green lawns, but if we have to sacrifice something, a lot of our lawns are meant to go dormant in the heat. They will green up again when we get that moisture and the coolness in the fall. So reserve your water for your fruiting, for your flowers, and possibly some of your big trees. If you can go a little bit of moisture onto the larger trees, that would help. Because our big trees, they respire for us. They shade our houses in the summer. There also are big trees that break that wind in the winter and give us that protection of uh, wind breaks and protection from the big snow drifts that's on there. Yeah, they'll gain. They'll try and gain some of that drifting that's on it. So it's beneficial for us to help them as well. Now I spoke about maybe using gray water for the garden, and there's a little bit of maybe some tips of. Do you? Here's my shout out. Do you save water and use it on your plants? This is a conversation that is maybe there. Like I know some of my kitchen sink water that's in there. I'm a little bit lighter on maybe some of my soaps. And some of the soaps that are out there are not as strong as what they used to be, I don't think. So a lot of that I will put into some of my areas of my garden. I might not put it right on the rooting, but there's a wicking aspect that's on there. Either it's cold water or stop 
stovetop water from the vegetables. Don't pour it down your drain. Why don't we cool it? And we can give it to our plants. Cool that water that's on it. Even if it's a little starchy, cool it. Maybe it, it you know what? Maybe the hydrangea plant will love it. Rinsing out your other, uh, when you're rinsing out your bottles to put in the recycle bin, have a bucket there and put it and use that extra water. These are little things that could be done that's on it. And if you're, it's just like, remember, if you're out camping, you fill your sink, you throw it on the trees. And like I said, why not put an extra bucket in the shower? And if it doesn't get into it, it will go in there. And a lot of us have air conditioner units. Your air conditioning unit always has that, um, I, you know, I'm the first one that I will want to put it on first thing, but I'm always probably the first one where my hubby goes, hey, did you put the hose in the drain? Collect that water. All right. Hey, Mary is back on hold. Hi, Mary. Welcome back. Okay. <clears throat> my question to you was about a cu- cucumbers that I planted in a, a, a lift box, a in a, a raised container? Raised container, yes. Okay. And they're flowering, they're beautiful plants, they're flowering, but there's no cucumbers coming from the flowers. Ooh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say I'm joining you on that comment that's on there because I have uh, a container, raised container on one of mine too as well, and it's not producing fruit either and a i'm trying to get out there to be my own pollinator i take out a little q-tip every now and then and i try and do my cross pollination that's in it um the one thing that i'm finding that what i've done is when you get the development between the male and female uh, flowers you have to try and do an experimentation to try and see if which one's which by the cross pollination that's on there um so you can try doing that sometimes excessive heat will cause plants that are in there to not produce that's on it and I know on one area especially my uh, zucchini and on one of my other plants as well uh, try removing some of the leaves because I know that if you have aggressive full growth that's on it sometimes the insects can't find the flowers that are on there so okay okay and here's another thing Um, in the gardening world of some plants you may find that in certain aspects there's the male and the female flowers that come from the same plant but sometimes for some weird reason that's happened the female flowers don't open up the same time as the male flower and so you don't get that cross pollination that's on it right i've Um, shook them i've shook them and i've taken and I've never used the Q-tip yet. I, I know I've heard of that before, but I just have shook them, but maybe taken some of the big leaves off then. I would take some of the big leaves off, especially I know that even on one of my uh, tomato plants, I tried a new variety of tomato that's on there and it's called Lunchbox. And it's got beautiful big growth that's on it. Um, it loves, I'll tell you, I use sea soil this year in a lot of my containers and my, one of the comments that my daughter says was, oh my gosh, mom, it's, it looks so lush, deep green and everything else. But on one of my containers that's off to the side by itself, I'm finding that I'm not having as much fruit that's on it, but the greenery is very good. The flower sets there, but I'm opening it up because as I remove and look at the leaves on the outside, all my flower, my flower sets or inside on this variety so I'm thinking okay let's remove some of the leaves that are on it 
open it up a little bit because then if I do get fruiting development that's on it, especially on tomatoes, I am actually uh, exposing it more to some sunlight that's on there and it will get some more ripening aspect to it as well because I love ripening fruit on the vine rather than picking it green and letting it green uh, ripen on my kitchen counter. Well, I've had this happen one year before, and then the next year it was just fine, and then this year again it's the same way. Yeah. Well, maybe in your um, maybe in your gardening journal, uh, if you document, sometimes if you go back to it, if you look at it, there's sometimes uh, conditioning of heat or stress or even the variety that you've chose to do some planting may play factors on that as well. Yeah, I I bought uh, well, they're slicing and they're straight eight, you know. Uh, yeah, birthless, you know the, bur- the long skinny ones. <laughs> I forget yeah, the name of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the more the uh, burpless or the English Telegraph type ones versus the pickling varieties that are in there. Yeah, um, yeah. But but you still have time. So if you you know I I know if it's a if it's a huge garden you're not going to go out there with a Q-tip. But, no, uh, it's not that it's not that terribly big. So I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Okay. You're very okay. welcome, Mary. Okay. Bye bye. And this is the same thing, too, because I found that uh, I know I'm probably, uh, I'm like the shoemaker's son uh, because I'm in the industry. I always plant my garden a little bit later because I'm always at the garden center. But it's even the aspect of wanting to do it for the fruiting and doing cantaloupe and melons for my grandchildren. And they were not fruiting. And now I find that after uh, a couple weeks ago when Ruby and I were just doing our little bit of a a Q-tip experiment that was in there, lo and behold, by opening up some of the patterns and some of the leaf structures, I do have some sets. And I'm probably going to have maybe five or six nice cantaloupes to show them and reward them to go through if I can keep the bunny away. Because yes... Not only is my hosta being nibbled at, but the gardens are being a little bit nibbled because I have a little low bowl for my dogs on the ground. I think the bunny is thinking that we have a nice little restaurant here for hostas, but I know yesterday, last night, uh, taking Oscar for a little walk on my arms, I noticed that, lo and behold, my cantaloupe tendrils are now being nibbled. So... Do I get after the rabbit for giving giving him the extra water? or for nibbling some of the fruit, it is hard out there because I know that the rabbit itself too, the the grass is brittle, it's brown. Normally they're chewing on our lawns that are out there because even our fields in the country are pretty brown that's on it. And this also reminds me to the point is we're sharing, we're giving, but what about now? We know that we need the bees and the butterflies for the pollinators. They also need moisture too as well. So do you have a bird bath? Do you have a small reservoir available for the birds and for the butterflies? Because believe it or not, gardening is not just the conversation of trees and shrubs and flowers. This is the whole dynamics of the cycle that keeps our trees and our shrubs and our flowers blooming are looking after the birds and the bugs and the insects. Because the birds, yes, as much as you like to see the birds come to the bird bath and see it, sometimes there's the um, the old crow. I know this might be a little morbid, but there's sometimes there's the old crow that's dunking some little bit of tender meat in your bird bath <laughs> to go through it. I'm sorry to say it, but there's also the bird bath that functions for the butterflies, and it also functions for the bees. 
Now, if you're going to have a bird bath, make sure that you have a stone or two that are in there, maybe some flattened ones, because you know that butterflies do not like deep water. They have problems with it. The bees do not like deep water. So if it's a sharp, deep edge on your bird bath, beautiful little stones or pebbles that are anchored on there, and it's kind of cute to see and pretty to see a monarch butterfly resting on a flat stone on the edge of some water, taking in some of that moisture that they need that's on it. And the birds will help you too, because the birds are going to help you with the insect aspect of your gardening, right? The mosquitoes, I know I have seen a lot of grasshoppers. I think that comes in tune to what is happening with the drought aspect that's in here. I think farmers are also seeing a lot of grasshoppers that are in there. And it's not just the grasshoppers that look, I'm sorry, I'm not the bug person, so I don't know the full terminology of whether it's a green grasshopper or the locust-looking type ones that are there. But they're out there. And if you're looking at it, the mosquitoes, the dragonflies, haven't seen very many. Mosquitoes, haven't seen very many mosquitoes, thank goodness, because it makes our evenings much quieter. Now, the bug aspect, too. We like the bugs for our garden. The butterflies are out there. And right now... um, there is the monarch butterfly that on that that's in there. I know at the garden center we get all excited about our uh, our Asclepius, our butterfly weed. The butterf- whether you're doing butterfly bush or butterfly weeds that's on there. These are butterfly flowers that are in favorable for the supporting aspect of it, especially Asclepius, which is your butterfly weed. Uh, your old variety, which is your orange varieties. Yes, we have a few chrysalis that are hanging on them. We're like the expectant parents that are waiting for those plants. And we are going to go right back to lines. Linda has been waiting. Hi, Linda. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. And where are you calling from? From Winnipeg. Well, it's a sunny Manitoba and sunny Winnipeg today. Yes, it is. How can we help you this morning? Okay, I've got some rose bushes. One is a Bill Reed that I got a year ago. And it's not really growing the tree part of it. And I put um, rose fertilizer on it about three weeks ago. And I'm wondering if I put some sea soil on it or what I can do to get it strong roots so it'll make it through the winter. Okay. Encouraging root growth is very good for it, especially if it's, uh, it sounds like it will be a young shrub so yeah. far that's on it. And uh, we'll just let the listeners know that Bill Reed is a beautiful yellow color. That's yeah, it's had Almost, two blooms on it this year. Yeah, oh, you know what? I have fallen in love with the Bill Reed rose because it has that peachy hue that's open, and then it goes to that beautiful yellow. Yeah. It's like it's like getting two colors in one rose. It's beautiful. But uh, encouraging, you're right on track with when you're saying that you want to encourage the root growth that's on it. Um, there are a few things that you can do. Root, the sea soil is a really good composty um product that you could put it i have gotten to use it this is probably my third season using it and adding it into my own garden and um, for those that have not used it have you used it before i used it this year on my buckets and i put the hen manure in for fertilizer and i put some sea soil and at first i thought it was the hen manure that was making it um, so bountiful because my buckets are just full and then yeah. i thought a while ago i thought you know i bet it's that sea soil that's that's made it go kaboom <laughs> it's you know what i am a strong and like i have i have nothing to do with sea soil believe me that but it's a product we started probably three years ago and it's compost with renderings of fish byproducts 
And it's it's taking something and not making it garbage, and it's it's good source. And I think I've probably told some of you guys before that I trialed it two years ago just by growing herbs straight in it. Yeah, and, and you don't have to lush. put too much on it, like for added fertilizer to the buckets, right? No, you don't have to. You don't have to, though if you want to, it's not going to be, you know, I like experimenting. I like pushing the limits on certain things to see how well or what it does. Right. And I I do one bucket as a, tr- like, you know, some the true science that comes back at it. You do one as your your standard or your, your proof and then your experimentation that's on it. So a regular bucket just with garden soil with a, you know, a third of the sea soil did really good. Okay. But when I did half and half. Wow! Oh, is that right? It was okay. like, yeah, because it doesn't burn, it has no smell, and if you're thinking fish renderings that are in it, you're thinking, oh, it's it's not like the old fish fertilizers that we used to use on the ferns. Um, there's no smell to it, but it has that barky type of hummus. So, so it's for that not going to... So- for that sea soil, for that sea soil, like, it, is it something you could put indoors in the winter in pots to try and grow herbs in the, in the wintertime because they need so much more light that it's hard to grow herbs indoors in the winter here? Yes. I truly believe that you could probably use it indoors not as, not as strong. Like you wouldn't go half and half, but okay. you could probably add it in there because it's going to give you the vigor that's on it. But the other thing too, giving it the vigor of the soil is one property, but we still know that you have to probably subsidize the lighting on it or give it yeah. as much bright light as you can to get that. To get especially, the herbs to grow, yeah. Yeah, especially basil and rosemary and that kind of stuff because they're more Mediterranean. They need those higher temperatures and that kind of stuff. Okay. But going back to the rose, yep. you can put some sea soil on it because you still have a portion of your growing aspect. But to encourage your root growth that's on it, you can either water in your bone meal or there is product called Root Rescue. Okay. That is is meant for, it's basically, it's like Mike. It's a mycorrhizal that has mycorrhizal that's in it, but it's for mature trees or trees that have already been planted. Okay. As an application that's on it. Yeah, because I have a hard time getting the roses to winter. Like, they really were set back this spring, and it's finally coming along now, but it's not a big tree. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's going to make this winter. Oh, you know what? Have faith. If you're thinking that you want to overwinter, and then that depends on the winter, too, as well. Right. Because in some cases, we see that last year we had hardly any snow cover. Right. So, and we find that Bill Reed is a hardy rose for our area. And as you're looking at it, it's kind of... It's that weird world we live in because if we have less snow, it seems that our more hardy trees and shrubs are affected by having less snow, even though it's warmer. Yeah, I put cut grass around the roots to try and protect it last winter, like in the fall. Yeah. To get it over winter, that was good. Okay. Okay. Are, now, are you in an open open space it's, or it's is it sheltered? Yeah, I have it on the south side of the house where it's kind of protected. Okay. Um. Yeah. It, if it's on the south side of the house and it's protected, make sure that you have extra snow there because on the south side in a protected area, sometimes they have a tendency to warm up faster. Okay. And I find that plants that are in the sunnier sides of the yard warm up faster and may have be in more risk because, A, if they warm up faster and then we do get cold again, the they're kind of like going, do I wear a winter jacket? Do I wear a sweater? Do I wear a winter jacket? Sweater. It's that influx. So putting grass uh, clippings around it is good, or should I put something more? Uh, grass clippings, but mulch it up so it's a little higher around the stem rather than flat. You can use grass clippings. Okay. Good leaf mulch, like 
and bank it and don't remove it too soon that's on it because when it and don't apply them early let them go into that set where the ground cools before you do that application okay because if we put it too soon and our autumn is warm into november like last year we found that november was beautiful then what we're doing is we're encouraging the roots to stay alive longer whereas if we want them to shut down sooner don't put your mulch on too early. So Let kind it get until cold. the first snow or just before the first snow, like end of November? End of November when the ground is cold and okay. getting cooler. Uh, I know in some areas I see some people putting the leaf mulch in like around Halloween. They want to put things around it. And I'm going, oh, it's going to be a nice November. You're yeah. just encouraging those roots to stay active and the shrub to keep active. Okay. But let them cool down faster and then... You know, maybe you have the bucket of dried grass clippings yeah. uh, in the garage or in some area earlier. Then you can dump it on. Okay, maybe I'll come and get some root rescue just to give it a boost, too, for the winter. Yeah, and you do that now before because you would do it through July to mid-August. Okay, that's what I was afraid of putting a sea soil because you say don't fertilize after the 1st of August for a bush. So I thought, ooh, is the sea soil going to be a fertilizer that would be too late to apply? It won't be because it's basically acting as a compost too as well, which okay. would stay in the soil for when they're actively growing. Okay. Because when you think of compost, compost actually amends the soil at the same time, right? Right. It adds that hummusy feeling. It helps to break up the composition of some of our clays, which we're Winnipeg-based, anything that we do. And that's why uh, clay-based soils, we have to work them frequently to keep that... Uh, so that yeah the nutrient that's in there and also that it becomes workable right yep yeah yeah i put the four-way blend in the whole bed kind of thing dug it out and put four-way blend in so it's got good soil underneath it oh perfect that's good yeah okay perfect okay i'll come and get some root booster that's great thank you oh you're very welcome linda thank you for calling bye-bye okay bye-bye thank you everyone for listening and just a little bit of a tip Make sure you have water in the bird pass because the birds, too, love the insects and they'll even eat some of those stink bugs that affect your tomatoes. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.